Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Richard Geiger and Ken Seymour. How are you, good sir? I'm dark and brooding. No, I'm doing well. Um, <laughs> it's like I'm a like a detective trying to find the happiness, and I've found it because we're doing this podcast right now. That's right. This is this is the light of our day, and. Well, actually, if I look around at all of the walls, it's not quite that bright in here. Mm, true, <laughs> it's, yes. it's kind of dark and brooding. Uh, but it's the perfect environment for what we're going to do today. We're doing a little uh, little more movie review. We're going to be talking about, of course, The Batman. Now, before we get into The Batman, we're going to talk a little more about the upcoming convention in Ohio that we will be covering, Fan Expo Cleveland. Uh, we talked a little bit about what to expect in terms of what kind of a convention it was. Last time, we're going to talk just a little bit about who's going to be there and uh, what you can kind of be able to do while you are there. Sound good? Can you have a party while you're there? Uh, there will be several parties going on while you're there. So, Can you have hot dogs when you're there? You absolutely can. They're sold right on the convention floor. <laughs> <laughs> what about a beer or a glass of wine? Um, on the floor, I didn't see that last time, so I would be surprised if that was necessarily available, but it is nearby at the very least. I was going to say, I'm uh, wondering if at the convention center they have a, uh, a location that's open for someone to just go get you know, beer, wine, or maybe a big drink. You know? I seem to remember that that is for sure the for sure the case that I remember, but it's been a couple of years. Um, now, if you kind of want to get the layout of the whole convention, you can go to the website and it's just kind of right there. They've got the main floor where all the retailers are going to be, some general information about, you know, where you can find what you're going to do. They have a couple different levels, uh, not too much to it, but uh, the real attractions are in what you can do. I mean, there's going to be obviously a bunch of cosplay going around, mm -hmm. people in costumes, and there are some cosplay people that are going to be there, but you can uh, you can just do so much with, uh, with being able to find just bits and pieces, comics you may not realize that you wanted. Uh, you can find, of course, statuary. Get yourself some new uh, some new uh, new Batman figures or whatever that you're wanting to want. Um, but truthfully, the real reason most people are going to be going there are the guests. Um, now, if you take a look at their subdivision, they break it into four categories between cosplayers, comic creators, voice actors, and then celebrities, which I find mildly humorous in that they're kind of all celebrities, just of varying degrees and yeah. different categories. I might have gone with actors rather than celebrities because that's generally for the most part what you're getting in the main one but uh now i'm not as versed on the cosplayers i don't know how big uh, these individuals are but from their um <clears throat> from the pictures that they've got up you know it seems like they've got some skill uh so that can be a lot of fun to see but man the number of people that are there just from the comic creators is crazy now, I know there's going to be, obviously, specific comic creators here. Now, one question that I had in terms of one of the things that you can do, you can go and meet a lot of these people who have created or have had a time spent creating 
runs on comics. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're there to just chat, to sell their wares, or could you actually commission a drawing from them while you're there? You absolutely could commission work from some of them. Uh, each of them have a specific, I don't want to say agenda, that makes it sound like they're going to be conquering <laughs> the world or something, but they each have kind of a, a specific um, a specific reason they're there. Some of the, a lot of them will say, "Yeah, they want to meet the fans and kind of see what they see what they think about uh, uh, what they've done." They're definitely there to sell autographs and photo opportunities for sure. But only some of them, at least from the last time that I was there, some of them you could commission work. Um, usually not that will be done by the time that you will leave. It's something that would be sent to you later. Um, but, uh, uh, some of them are, are just not really doing that part of it because some of them are too busy. Yeah. I mean, they've got, they've got other, they've got other commitments to some of the major, uh, comic book houses or their own projects or whatever it is that they're doing. So they just can't, uh, or some of them are to a point where they just don't want to anymore. Uh, the, so it's, it's really kind of a mixed bag. Uh, but no matter what, mm-hmm. and this is this is the thing, yeah, everybody wants to talk to the celebrities that are there, the actors, the voice actors. But truthfully, like the stuff that we watch, this comes from comics. And I, I, I often feel that there's just not enough love given to these creators. You can find out so much neat information about the creation of some really iconic characters and some storylines and how things came together, some behind-the-scenes information. You will get a lot more interest from these amazing creators than you will probably anybody else. That sounds good. Now, not all of them are going to be there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. However, most of them will be. And I feel like in kind of perusing... A lot of the creators, there are illustrators, there are actual like people who wrote some stories, there are people who did the shading. Like it's a it's a little bit of everything, a little bit of everybody that's going to be there. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, they they often have a very good grouping of comic creators, just like they often have a very good grouping of the voice actors. And another group that that are not maybe as well known because you don't think about what they look like uh, <laughs> real often. You just know what they sound like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I mean, these these are people that have contributed to games and anime and just are all over the place. And there's there's people that I have wanted to meet for, for a long time, uh, you know, like uh, Rob Paulson, who uh, did voices for Pinky and the, and the Brain. I... That was one of my shows I always love to watch. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and these these voice actors that are going to be there are, like you said, it's there's some anime, there's video games, there's just cartoons, there's a, a very good mixed assortment of subject work. Now, one thing you will kind of notice, if you're an anime fan, if you're, okay, I don't want to call them purists. But, you know, a lot of my friends that watch anime, they want to see it in the original language that it was made in rather than dubbed. You're not going to get those voice actors here. That's just not not the convention that, that this is. But the English dubs of a lot of this anime, yes, those people are going to be here. And you can 
you can definitely kind of see what it was like to try and interpret something with a little bit of a cultural divide. <laughs> yes. Not a 100% smooth translation, but it's no. the best that can come to screen, I guess. But uh, in, in that vein, you've got uh, Charles Martin that's going to be there, the voice of Super Mario for like forever. Uh, so that's kind of a big thing. Billy West, um, I mean, if you know Futurama, you know who Billy West is. Mm -hmm. And he's been doing this for a long time. Uh, Janet Varney from uh, Legend of Korra, as well as several live action uh, television programs, movies, things like that. Um, Roger Bumpus uh, is Squidward. He will be there. <laughs> I'm kind of excited about that one, too, because that's the only impression I sometimes do in front of one of my sons that they find mildly amusing. Mildly amusing. Um, but, uh, but the celebrities, yeah, I'm excited about that, too. They've got some great acting talent. I mean, I, when we talk about our previous jobs, you did the movie theater. I worked at a video store. I worked at a video store when Clerks came out. So you could relate. Just a little bit. And it, it was just kind of uh, kind of crazy uh, to me at the time how good that film was and how accurate some of the portrayals of the average people. Just because, you know, partly because it really was good and partly because you know, I was young. I hadn't been exposed to all that much stuff yet. But... <laughs> It's got a strong following, and pretty much, you know, like you said from Clerks, like the whole cast is going to be there? Pretty much, yeah. Um, so that's going to be awesome. Robert Kurtzman, I mean, if you know special effects, you should know who Robert Kurtzman is. and He's just done some some great work in the past. I mean, it's we've talked about practical effects before, and he's he's done some some really excellent practical effects over time. Yeah. Um, if you're a Star Trek fan, obviously you got William Shatner is going to be there. John Delancey is going to be there. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been a, a, a Trek geek for a long time and I, I have no illusions. I'm probably not going to get anywhere near William Shatner <laughs> at, the, at this convention. The line's going to be long. That's going to be backed up for a bit yeah but ron perlman's gonna be there the definitive hellboy as well as just having so many other great roles uh watched him on beauty and the beast that was my uh my mom's favorite show um so you know watch that it's like yeah he's great i don't know about this linda hamilton girl but uh, <laughs> <laughs> she was great too um but uh michael rooker uh it's great um, and for me, the the real the two star the two star attractions for just my personality right now are Mark Shepard and Kevin Smith. Those are the two that's got to meet. Well, if you talk about uh, your love for Supernatural, then it only makes sense. Yes. And is he because because I'm not familiar enough with that to know. And Supernatural is what. 14 seasons? 15 seasons. 15 seasons. And just so the listeners know, how much has Mark Shepard been in? Uh, over half of it. There you go. So, knew the first half? The second half? And towards the... He came in, if I remember correctly, around season four or five, uh, and then stayed until almost the very end of the season. Or the end of the series, I should say. Nice. Um yeah, but it's not just that. I mean, Supernatural, yeah, but I, I, we've talked to uh, um, 
some some leverage people already uh, mm-hmm. in terms of actors and uh, some behind the scenes individuals. And he was in that show too, and he was in Firefly, and he was in Doom Patrol. <laughs> oh, that's right, he wasn't. He has been in pretty much everything cool that's come out in the last fifteen to twenty years. I bet he's got some stories to tell. I would imagine so. Uh, I thought you'd be excited about that gentleman, David Keckner. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it on the website it says The Office, which <laughs> to me is pretty funny because he's definitely in The Office, like the first season, second season. Uh, bits of the second season, uh, not as a main character, but like a person who kind of shows right. up, who has a relationship with the other characters because he used to w- work with them. So that like, I I get why that label is there, but I mean, you, why that choice? I mean, you could have put Anchorman if if nothing else, you know. So Saturday Night Live, of course, but uh, I just think it's pretty funny that he's going to be there. Yeah, and and it wasn't an immediate thing; it was a late addition. That's so true. maybe he was just kind of going to be through town anyway. It's like, oh, sure, I'll stop by. I'll do something. And if you could picture him saying that in his typical, <laughs> in his like character that he does, because he kind of plays a similar type of character across all his roles. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, so all in all, if you have the opportunity to uh, visit Fan Expo, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and it's one of those kinds of conventions, and this may sound like a strange thing to say, but it's actually a benefit. It's not a convention that you'll feel necessarily compelled to stay at the whole day because there will be things that you'll want to do, and it will take time to get through the floor. But it's something it's like, hey, if you want to take a trip to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame while you're in town, which is just basically right across the street, or want to do one or two other things, you would be able to get full enjoyment out of this convention and still fit other stuff in. Yeah, it's uh, what you were saying before is that uh, Cleveland is actually, when you think about let's go visit the Midwest and let's visit a city, Cleveland's probably not the one that you think of. However, um, that is an underrated you know, place to spend some time at. Um, they put on a good show, and they treat the people right around them. So it's a nice place to go and visit. Definitely so. Well, we have, uh, we I think we have fairly represented the fun that you can have there, and now we're going to fairly represent the gloom that is uh, <laughs> that is the Batman. The Batman. Now, as a brief just reminder that we will give a spoiler-free review in case you have not seen this film yet, tell you whether you should, I guess at this point, should have seen it in the theaters. I don't know if it's still in the theaters at I this think point. it's still hanging out. Uh, if you should watch it on streaming service, uh, catch it on Blu-ray or you know, wait for it to hit something that has commercials every uh, <laughs> 15 or 20 minutes, right? Um, And then we'll break it down into a multitude of categories, talking about cast, director, costuming and props, location, cinematography, plot and writing, and, of course, bonus points to give a score that can be up to 100 points. Has not happened yet. No. There is no perfect movie. But at the same time, uh, there's been nothing less than 50 points. Well, I'd say the back. There's been one film that I've rated less than 50 points, but nothing less than 48 points. (laughs) Let's, Mm. Let's say that. Uh, I think that is the lowest rated we've had up until this point. No, well, you've got a 47. 
Yeah. I mean, it was a good movie. Oh, well, you've got a 39, too. <laughs> yeah, I took him way down to the bottom. Richard's mean. All right. <laughs> this one will not be a 39 or 47. No, it won't. Now, I don't know. We were talking a little bit before we started here. Um, I'm glad I saw this in the movie theater. I think that this film was meant to be seen in the theater. And it would really, I mean, it's like a lot of films that are going to be superhero-y, but especially films that, that, that are really ambiance-driven, it helps to be in the movie theater to really enjoy this. Yes, if you have the opportunity when you're listening to this podcast, and if it is still in the theater and you can go and watch it, I would definitely say spend your 12 bucks and go watch it in the theater for sure. Now, if that's not your bag of donuts um i've discussed previously my love for hbo max yes i I think it is arguably the best of the streaming services available for a lot of different reasons and a lot of that's more of the content that i'm interested in and not everybody is interested in the same type of content Uh, i think they also expanded didn't they it's HBO Discovery, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Well, somebody bought something, so I'm not yeah. terribly surprised. So it's even going to grow even more. But uh, you can watch this on HBO Max. You can watch it in 4K. And if that's the direction you're going to go, great. Um, if you can, if, you, if you're if you watching it by yourself and you can hook um, headphones up to your viewing streaming thing in some form or fashion i would also <laughs> recommend doing that too yeah uh the 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 audio in this film is an important element and we'll we'll talk about that more yep here in, in just a little bit uh but let's start uh where we often do start and we're going to start with the director uh director of this film is matt reeves if you are familiar with him uh, you might know him from cloverfield or you might also know him from Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, the 2014 uh, variant, and War of the Planet of the Apes in 2017. Yeah, it's probably about it. Yeah, and and, and honestly, those are those uh, Planet of the Apes movies are actually pretty decent. Uh, I mean, I think you know what to expect in a certain sense when you go in for those, uh, but you get what you get what you expect in those and they're pretty decent now he's also had some writing experience um this is not exactly in the same kind of a genre but uh he did write 84 episodes of felicity and under siege too yeah i don't know if i would tout that one so (laughs) much i remember that film actually you know what it wasn't bad no it wasn't amazing, but it wasn't, it wasn't bad. I mean, you're working with Steven Seagal. There's only so much you can do. Yeah. So, I, I, and that may, if that ever gets out, I may never get a chance to talk to Steven Seagal. Yeah, I think I can live with that. <laughs> I mean, he might throw some side hands at you and then flip you over your shoulder. Uh, how did Steven Seagal beat you? Well... He went into what I can only assume was a stance, and then I started laughing so hard I fell over. Um, does that count? And then he did the same thing to everybody else around you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Oh man. Okay. Yeah. So no, enough making fun of uh, uh, of him for his in quotes martial arts skill. Does he have? And I, I didn't look close enough. Does he have any writing credits for d- this? Yes, he is one of the two writers on Batman. Ooh. Uh, the other writer has has a number of writing credits already. Um, it's kind of interesting. Um, the the other writer on this film is Peter Craig. Um, he's got quite a, a list of of writing credits. Again, kind of an odd <laughs> an odd mixed bag to bring into this. But uh, if you liked the Hunger Games, uh, <laughs> Bad Boys for Life, it's a really like I said, it's kind of I feel like uh, he's got uh, a wide base of skills to pull from. The town wasn't a bad one. No, it wasn't. I like the town. Yeah, the Hunger Games. Uh, that was not good. I don't even think I finished watching The Hunger Games. I got to one of the Mocking Jays and I was like, "Yeah, I'm done." Though I have to admit, he is attached to another film coming out that's just going to be so nostalgic. I can't not watch it. But there's 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 more to your. But I'm concerned. The, so, okay, the Top Gun, the Maverick, is going to be coming out, and he's attached to that writing-wise. The original Top Gun film is, you know, a beloved film. It wasn't that good. No, but it was more bravado and fast camera action shots and right. soundtrack, you know. I mean, it was okay. I mean, the thing that made it good was the fact that that was Tom Cruise on his upward momentum and it had Val Kilmer Val in Kilmer, it. Yeah. you're not going to get a bad film with those two actors at that point in any film you could have put them in a store deciding what type of toilet paper to buy and it would have been a very watchable film yeah both yeah you're right both of them kind of young pups in a certain sense so it, it does hold a certain nostalgia for that time period uh you know, part of the reason why was the creation of the air-to-air combat scenes, right? Yeah. Um, it's not a special effects movie. It's a practical effects movie with real equipment that I think they tried to carry forward for the new one as well. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, right. no, no. I, I was debating whether to relay a, a bad joke about that film, but I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna skip the bad we'll joke. Save that, for later. save that for later. But uh okay, so with that being said, I didn't have a whole lot of expectations for the director going into this film. Well I think since he also wrote it, mm-hmm. I think that's why you have to lean a little heavier on him as the director as well, because he had sure to it to an extent almost complete artistic control over this movie, which you can't oftentimes say about the director. No, definitely not. But that's what I'm saying. I go I'm going into it with no expectations. That doesn't mean that I'm it's not going to be heavily influenced by him. Yeah. Uh but that also means that I don't have any real biases mm-hmm. that are going to play into it. It's not true. really. Um I I thought he did a passable job. Uh more than passable. Uh, now I'm going to, like I said, we got to get points in two different areas: plot and writing. I'll give him points for the writing aspects, but for the directorial, the choices that were made, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, very solid. I, I, I think he clearly understood the source material. I think he was able to have that conveyed on screen quite well. I think the, I mean, he had to have had a good enough, um, good enough bond with the actors to be able to get them to be able to bring that forward because I, in any instance, everybody's going to have their own kind of spin that they want to put onto it. And I didn't get a lot of that. Uh, I didn't get like everybody's trying to do their own thing. It was cohesive kind of all through. Yeah. When, when you think everybody's on the same page in a certain sense and from a storytelling aspect of it, uh, there's a lot of presentation here in terms of the, I mean, this is going to fall into the cinematography and the plot, but I'm going to tie it back in the director too, because he's got to deliver this package mm-hmm. in a certain sense too. So you get a lot of a look and feel of cotton of, I don't know about cotton. <laughs> I mean, it is the fabric <laughs> of our life, but you get a mix of what you feel like is a certain attitude and not you get a look of a certain pace and then it's not you get a look of this is a not a high tech hero movie but he is like you get a lot of these contrasts in this movie that i i feel like make it stand out in a certain sense because usually it's like this is a quick let's go 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 type thing and it's like that for the majority of the movie. Or it's just like it's a storytelling movie and you get detail. But I thought I thought there were times where the pace just went back and forth and up and down and the the mood went from you know, somber to not, like it, it just it just had all these different layers and levels that I, oh, I yeah. thought came across pretty well. Now we talked a little bit about this the other day. And it got me to thinking more about it, too. We kind of lump editing into the directorial side, too. Um, That may be the only weakness the film had. It may not have needed a three-hour runtime. Um, And and it definitely had parts. I was trying to think. It's like I didn't feel like it dragged, but I do feel like it wasted time. I'll buy into that, yeah. So, I mean, scenes that would take, you know, 10 minutes could have been done in five and and, and still conveyed and not lost anything. Uh, Things that were done in five could have been a one-minute kind of transition. And so it it didn't plod, but you still kind of wondered what's what's taking so long. And I'll go back to a podcast that we just recently did which was our favorite longest movies, or which was ones over two and a half uh, hours. So we don't have a problem with movies that are three hours long, no. right? Like that's not a, that's not a thing. Uh, if it's a good movie and all the parts fit and everything progresses, three hours is is actually for me cool. Like the more of the good stuff, the better. Right. Um, but you're right in this one. I found there's just a couple sequences or like places where the 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 pace just slowed down a bit too much right Uh, now in terms of timing i've got the i've got the perfect example um the first time that we get to see the batmobile right 
there's a kind of a like a shootout sequence where no one can hit anybody with the bullets except for Commissioner Gordon because he's such an expert shot. Right. But, um, you know, Batman's laying on the ground because he got knocked out by, I don't know what, but he got knocked out and uh, Selena's in trouble and everything's coming down and like the, the penguin's coming to get her and all of a sudden the Batman's gone. But then... The uh, we hear like the jet engines firing up, mm-hmm. but like this sequence right here, it's just it's it feels like it goes on for 20, 20 minutes of just like the penguin with this grimace, and then the car just like roaring to life. Like, is he you know, he's just warming it up, right? You know, like the, <laughs> the RPMs are way up at 3,000, we're waiting for it to get down to like. You know, fifteen hundred, so that the car is warmed up and ready to go. But if you if you watch and you pay attention to the scene, you'll know what I'm talking about because he just he's the penguin is like the screen just like shows his face snarling with like this like surprised look on his face. But it just goes on and on and on and on and on and on, and then it shows the car and it's like grumble 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 grumble. I like, thought that might have been indigestion. I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, like he just. He he ate a burrito and now he's like, <laughs> that was the gurgling in his stomach. Right. And, and then, which I don't understand, the he revs up the car and it revs it up and then it does the car die? <laughs> it kind of felt like it. It just like turns off and then it goes. Yeah. I, anyway, that whole sequence was just like exactly what we're talking about in terms of pace. I like, know what it is. It's a hybrid. Mm. <laughs> Yes, exactly. The batteries hadn't been charged quite yet, and so he, what he was doing right there was just getting the gas portion of it <laughs> going. Yeah. And I, I'm picking on that scene. It just stood out to me like, get off his face, man. Like, okay, it's the Batmobile. I get it. Like, it's big. We're introducing a really iconic thing here in the Batman world. But this is what we're talking about for a movie that was two hours and 50 minutes long. Yeah these little bits of things were just stretched way too thin in our faces. And if you trim 20 seconds here and 20 seconds here, Oh, a minute here, you know, now you get it down to 235 instead of 250. And the pace I think changes just a little bit to the positive. And I, I think another thing is not every scene needs a long establishing shot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One of one of my favorites is when we get to see, the Batman for the first time and he's walking in like the corridor but you could have chopped at least five to ten seconds off that yeah, scene he was walking for for a long time quite some time like it was like a hundred yard walk down the down the thing <laughs> it's a Super Bowl I, walk I still love the, the sequence <laughs> but it, it, it just little pieces like that were just a bit too long yeah so I mean it's it's a forgivable sin but you know, sin nonetheless. Yeah. We're here to nitpick. That's the whole thing. Yeah. So um, for me, uh, that means in terms of directorial uh, uh, style, uh, out of a scale of 1 to 20, yeah, 15. I went with just a little bit more, 16. I think pretty fair. Um, let's move on to the cast. The cast is pretty impressive, really. Um. There's a lot of good names. There's a lot of good names, and even beyond that, even the people that weren't names did great jobs. Um, what you'll see a lot in this is 
people that get beat up or that people have like a little screen thing here and there. But for the majority of the movie, you're seeing the same collection of faces have the majority of the, I mean, that's what you get in most movies, but the ones that have like the, their names in the, in the top, I think are the ones that, you know, rightfully so get the most screen time, but really it's even, it's even more narrowed down where we're really just focusing on a handful of faces for the right. majority of the movie. Right. Um, and I will, I have to admit, I was a little concerned uh, with Robert Pattinson in the lead role. Now, I, I loved him in Harry Potter. I, I think he's a great actor, uh, even barring Twilight. Jeez, oh, Pete, please bar Twilight. <laughs> but I, I really like him as an actor. I just wasn't sure he he could be a convincing Batman. I just I hadn't seen him really have that kind of a, that kind of a leaning. I hadn't seen him flex those particular acting muscles and I he's never been a big dude. So No, but if you think about his Twilight and Harry Potter days, he was a lot younger too. Yes, he was. So his roles that he had been given were more for the younger audience because he fit that that genre better. And you're right in terms of a bigger dude. Now, one thing I did notice, um, in in looking at the Batman versus all the rest of the people, um, one, do we know how tall Robert Pattinson is? You might have to do. I feel some. I feel like he's under six feet. Because one thing, and, and you know, we like to observe random things throughout. Oh, six one. Six one. Okay, M- most of the people in this movie that were cast are probably even like the thugs or the goons or whatever we're at best six foot maybe most of them were around 510 511 so it it has this appearance that he is bigger than everybody now part of that is too if you look at his footwear that he's wearing he's got some heavy duty boots on yeah like platforms yeah, so they were they had a real thick sole, which added it's going to add another inch or so at, at least to his overall height, and maybe it's deceptive because he's got a cowl on, it's got the little ears on, so that gives him. But if you just look at his shoulders, maybe relative to everybody else, it looks like he's taller and bigger than everybody else in this movie, which, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's okay. I don't think it's necessary because one of the cool things about Batman is supposed to be he's he's a dude. He's just a dude. And he's still going to beat the ever-loving crap out of you and outthink you. Yeah, and I don't think he's ever has he ever been presented as like I'm six six two hundred and fifty pounds, or is it more? If you if you look at Frank Miller's work, that's kind of how he looks. He looks pretty beefy in a Frank Miller, but generally he has kind of a standard muscular build and is around that six foot. So I mean, having that six one six two, that's that's about right for for a Batman. Um, now, if you were to look this up, if you did a Google, uh, and because, you know, of course, DC has their own ideas about how tall he is. Batman is six foot two inches tall, according to DC. So just slightly taller than the average man right. in a certain sense. Right. Yeah. So that, that it, it it's a... 
it's a minor thing. Maybe it was camera angles, but it's a thing that I noticed in, in that when he was having interactions with most everybody else, he was he was taller. He was right. bigger than everybody else. Now, when they show him as you know Batman, Bruce Wayne, whatever, and he takes his shirt off and his back is loaded with scars, um, he, he's definitely in shape. Oh yeah, but he's not like it's not like this dude is too fitty or something. Like no, he didn't. They didn't do bulk, which was. That I was thought smart, which was smart. Like so, he he definitely had muscle. He definitely had size and tone, but he wasn't he he wasn't huge in in, in terms of muscle mass, which is I thought made more sense because he's athletic. He's not there right. to smash and bash in a certain sense. But yeah, so so basically, I didn't expect much, but man, he he delivered. I mean, I. Especially for the time frame of where this Batman, how long this Batman has been Batman, yeah, yeah, I I think that he he was kind of on the money, uh, considering that and the the references that they were using. So I I was really pleasantly surprised by how well he did. He's been on the streets for two years, right? And he's probably what in his twenties, yeah, mid mid twenties probably is what. That's what the presentation feels like. Yep. So you 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 get young Batman. Now if you look at like other Batman presentations, you kind of get that same thing. So if we look at the the Nolan trilogy, we actually get to see the creation of the character from scratch and oh, stuff, yeah. which is its own thing. And I think this feels a lot more grounded. He's been working for 2 years to try to establish himself People know who he is. That's part of the plot. Okay, we'll get into that later. But um, he did great. Um, Other people did great. Other people... I was also concerned about Zoe Kravitz being Catwoman. Um, Just from the parts that I have seen her in thus far, which I have to admit is not really deep. I've seen several of her films. Eh? I, I mean, I've, I've liked her okay, but I just, it's like, can she really pull off the level of, it's a, it's a really fine line to do it right, because the Catwoman character has to be sexual as a tool to achieve her ends and be able to skirt the line of interest in who the Batman is and interest in her own uh, agenda and a variety of other things. It's like, I didn't know if I'd seen her pull off that kind of subtlety in anything thus far. Um, And it's just kind of, well, you know, I really liked her voicing in the Into the Spider-Verse. I thought she did great in that. Um, uh, Admittedly, wasn't a huge, (laughs) (laughs) a huge bit. It's a small, small little piece. But it's like, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. And again, I, I had nothing to worry about. I think I think she did well as well. Yeah, I, I think she I think she did really actually pretty good. You know, the type of character. I, I like how the fact that it was someone who is a truly is a, a person living at a everyday street level occurrence, right? Day-to-day occurrence. Right. 
but mysteriously enough, she's very athletic, um, <laughs> knows all the all the right fighting moves, and is sm- smart. Knows how to uh, crack safes, right? You know, so it's like she's got these hidden skill sets. When re- in reality, she's just a bartender earning regular wage, so she can live in an apartment in Gotham, right? So like I. I how they presented the character and how she presented the character, I think, were were great. Yeah, that is, that is great. Um, I'm always happy to see Jeffrey Wright. And this is a face that uh, I didn't expect to see in the Commissioner, Commissioner Gordon role, not because I don't think he could do it, because he's always good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just I just I didn't think they would ever do it. I mean, you. you it's one of those things you don't expect people to think outside the box in terms of casting choices. Like, oh, you know, we're going to have Commissioner Gordon. That means it's going to be a you know fifty to sixty year old white dude, right? No reason it has to be, and so that means you get a lot of other kind of options to to be able to do this. And he's like I said, he is always well, almost always good. Well, he's not Commissioner Gordon. He's Detective Gordon. Yeah, Gordon is Gordon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he will be by the next film if they have another one. Um, I didn't really like him as the voice of of the Watcher in What If, yeah. but it, that's the very rare uh, exception to the rule. He is great in everything else that I've ever seen him in. Um, what have I seen him in? So I've seen the first season of... No, 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 no. I'm thinking, yeah, Boardwalk Empire was, I, he was in that. And he played an interesting character. He had a lot of power in in that role in that series. And I, I've i always liked Boardwalk Empire. And that's kind of a love-hate type thing. People can either get into it or they just it's can only go through a couple episodes. Like, nah, I'm done. I can't do this. But that's the first time I, I, I watched him. And like I said, he was a person who had actual power and control in that in in that uh, series, and he did great in that one. So, he, in Westworld, he played a character that he didn't know he was a certain character, and then I don't know. Well, Westworld gets a bit preachy, and it's hard to watch. But uh, he did well in that one too. Yeah. So I mean, just all in all, that was great. I love seeing Colin Farrell in anything, and. If you didn't know Colin Farrell was in this film, you would be forgiven to not know which part he was playing. Um, uh, he played Oz. <laughs> right. The great and knowing, all-powerful. Now, I want to go back to Jeffrey Wright real quick because I kind of felt like he overdid it. Like his mannerisms and his voice, like that's his voice. It's very posed. but it, Yeah, and added more grumble to it. And it just seemed fake. Are you telling me? Yeah, yeah like it I, was. It was over the top for sure. Yeah, that's that just it didn't distract me, but it got old as you progressed through it. Um, and was, I'm nitpicking. Of well, course, yeah, but. he is only in a handful of scenes. I mean, so I I didn't get tired of it, but yeah, I saw exactly what you were talking about. It it was a little over the top, but. All right, I'm okay with that. Yeah, not so much like, oh my gosh, he was Taika Waititi and <laughs> well, no, no, definitely not. Yeah, but it was just something that kind of bugged me a bit. And then Colin Farrell, um, 
good in some scenes, uh, once again, over the top in some scenes. But that character can be over the top. That's that, just that it. That character is supposed to be super over the top. So I, th- that one I didn't have much. I didn't have that same degree of a, of a problem with. Yeah. No. Colin Farrell's great. Um, the choice for the Riddler character, um, I thought the casting on that was just spot on. As soon as I found out who it was going to be, I was like, yeah, just physically, facially, Seeing what he's been, and yeah, okay, yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, we'll get to the outfit here in a bit, yeah. But um, but just in terms of his, the writing for the the character and his presentation of the character, yeah, yeah, that that was done well. He was just okay for me. What? Yeah, yeah. His his speeches that he would give. Uh, I that's the character. I get it. I it was just not believable to me. The Riddler isn't you got to understand. This is a guy that took a, a character that pranced around in green spandex with question marks on it and and had to say they say okay, you're going to be this character. Not really. We want to try and make him be more believable. If you can make him be say 70% more believable you're doing great. And he made him like 90% more believable. There's still that 10% where he's like, okay, yeah, it's nobody talks like that. That's the writing. That's not him. Yeah. Although still his, his face and his presentation <laughs> that annoyed me. I don't know. I'm, I agree to disagree. Yeah. We'll, we'll disagree on that now, one. I think I'm, we're, we're going on. Uh, it's not like this was just an uh, awful, no, that's not that's not what I'm saying with this character. I just think him in this character was okay at best. That's what I'm saying. Not like say John Turturro. Yeah, real subtle, always wearing the shades. You know, not rushed in any sense, right? You're gonna bring all that glimmer into play. <laughs> that's all I could take anytime I saw him on yeah. screens. Like, oh, he's, where's the poker room? No, okay. Uh, because I refuse to think about any of the Transformer films he was in. Oh gosh! Because that—that's, you know, you know, you gotta make your money. But geez, oh Pete, he was the Jesus. Yeah, you got a Skarsgård in here. Not the best one. <laughs> that's just mean. It's like I like your brothers better than you. <laughs> okay, now I'm. <laughs> He's fine. Yeah, he did all right. Yeah, he's he's fine. Not uh, fine. I don't know. He was just he was fine. And then all of the all of the supporting people, even like the the this like okay, uh, you have one scene. What's my scene? Okay, you're going to be during the funeral, and you're going to be ranting and raving, but not really ranting and raving. But you need to really just make a meal out of this. <laughs> the person they got to just just distract Bat Batman for a minute, it's like. Is he involved? No. Okay, he's just crazy. That was, yeah, he was fine. Um, uh, Andy Serkis did. Oh man, I wish Andy Serkis was in more things. Yeah, and not in a green suit either. I just want more of his face. We already lost him in the MCU for. Well, we think we've lost him in the MCU anyway. Hopefully, he'll make a return, but he's yeah. probably gone. Anyway, the. And the the mayor got a lot of FaceTime too. Yes. And she was okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's an, it's an important character from the storylines that they're pulling from. Um, and I think, I think she embodied the character. Well, I, I never cared for the character in the comics because it, it was a, it was a functional character to, to forward a plot. And to, I didn't really feel like it had a lot of meat to it in the comics. And well, it didn't really have a lot of meat to it here either. No. Um, but it doesn't mean it couldn't if they didn't play with it, if they wanted to play with it a little yeah. bit. Yeah, she did. She did fine. Yeah, she did all right. So, I mean, great supporting cast, good names. I mean, for me, um, without going any into any more just kind of because we're already starting to approach some long timing on ourselves, we're going to really kick into gear after this. Uh, that's a 17 out of 20 for me. Yeah, I felt a little lower, little lower notch. I gave it 16. Now, uh, no matter what, even if we disagree about these categories, something that we don't disagree about is the need to pay attention to us on social media. Hey there, Pudding People. Don't forget to check us out on our social media accounts so you can keep apprised of everything that we do any time of the day. Richard, you're most on Instagram, right? On the Gram Gram, yes. And what are we best known on Instagram as? Pudding Guys. Easy enough. In fact, that's also what we're known as on Facebook. Now, I'd say we're on Instagram just a little more than we are on Facebook. You might get the occasional update there. We are most active on Twitter, where we are at Real Pudding Guys. Uh, we will give you updates about the next episode that's going to be coming at the end of the week, when it's released, any other little updates to the Ultimate Comic Movie Database or the Pop Culture Death Counts will also be there. Um, now... Our most exciting changes are going to be coming up soon. We're going to have a new website called Fate, the film and television engine. We're getting close to doing the beta for that. We're still working on the alpha side. We'll be doing a little closed beta and inviting a handful of people into this. I tell you what, it's going to be really, really cool when it releases. Now, you'll be able to also hear about that on our Patreon page. What are we on Patreon, Richard? Pudding guys. Pretty easy. Now, right now, it's very easy to support us. How much does it cost, Richard? It's $1 per month. Per month. Not per day. Per month. <laughs> yes. $12 for a year. Yeah. Uh, that's really not much to help support us as we release new content as we get better equipment to release the content into. And when the Fate engine comes out, it will have its own cost, and we're going to make it very affordable for everyone to be involved with this. And it's going to be so cool. I can't wait for you all to hear about it. Well, we're back. That was super fun. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we're, we're going to just plow through a couple of these real quick with some examples. Uh, we're going to kind of talk about both costuming and props and the location simultaneously. They each get 10 points. Um, for me, the costuming and props, it was good. I thought having the bat suit in the backpack was stupid, uh, but the actual bat suit itself looked really nice. Uh, the bat suit itself was really, honestly, pretty cool. And the fact that he had the the wing thing that kind of pulled a couple strings and it was attached on there. So, okay, cool, practical, yeah. that thing flipped out. Um, I still argue, and maybe we have to watch it more and more and more, which is okay, that he's got the suit on. 
He just takes the cowl off and puts it in the backpack. Not a chance. Not a chance. It, it, if you look at his body standing in his normal street clothes, there's no way he's got regular clothes over the bat suit. It's too bulky. I try to pay attention to that um, again after reviewing it. And I didn't, I don't, certain scenes, it's not, not as, like his bulk is still there with the, with the green jacket on. I don't know. I don't think it looked like that. Now, one thing I did like the uh, contact lenses. That was pretty sweet. Super creative. Very, and, and it's, we need to touch on that when it comes to the plot and writing a little bit too. Yeah. Um, but one thing that you really, really enjoyed was the Joker's outfit. Well, the Joker was in jail, so we didn't really see that. Oh, I but. mean the Riddler. Yeah. <laughs> the Riddler's outfit was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen uh, in terms of a comic book film. I, I understand that uh, you're trying to make it different, but no, no, uh, we don't need uh, the Gimp from Pulp Fiction in green uh, or a hazmat suit with a question mark on it. It just looked bulky and dumb and ugly and unnecessary. I mean, if you want to have him be a psycho, have him be a psycho. Have him be a well-dressed psycho because that pays homage to the original character better. Have him in a suit. You don't want to have him in a suit? Fine. But don't dress him in duct tape. Jeez, oh, mm. yeah. The gimp, the gimp hat. I didn't really quite understand. Um, the Catwoman portrayal, I think, was pretty yeah, solid. That was great. Um, everybody else had nice suits and ties and dresses on, so yeah, uh, that stuff was pretty good. The uh, Batman props, yeah, in terms of his, um, whether it was his little Batman shaped knife choppy thingy on his chest yeah that's pretty funny that, that good idea cool uh his cables his other little intricate things that he used yeah they're solid stuck the magnet on the on the girder and then like ran down the building yeah cool yeah i like all those things the locations were good uh the um the 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 mansion the way they portrayed that that was solid the orphanage, I really like the portrayal of the orphanage when they go to see that. Um, the um, amphitheater where they're performing. I mean, it, it's all pretty solid. The Batcave, an abandoned subway place. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, I mean, nothing, they got nothing negative to say really about any of it. I mean, um, I, I think I'm going to flip around a couple of my scores just a little bit after thinking about that more. I think we're going to do it that and that way. But <laughs> because the, and that's fair. The, the Riddler outfit bothered me so much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the locations were solid. So for me, uh, costuming props, 8 out of 10, uh, even with the awful suit. What about you? Uh, nine. 9 out of 10. What about locations for you? Did you like the locations, the variety? I did. Yeah. Um, 8. Ah, excellent. I, I am going to go with 9 out of 10 on location. Okay, now let me get those out of the way. We'll get to some of the more important things. So one of the key things that goes with being Batman is I'm going to fight crime at night Mm -hmm. in the dark. He is the dark knight, by the way. That's right. So that that feels like it often gives cinematographers license to record things in such a way that the viewer cannot see anything. I didn't get that. 
I didn't get that at all. Actually, we were just talking about Moon Knight and this most recent Moon Knight episode that we are watching. And I couldn't see things for 10 minutes of the sequence that, that I was watching. And almost all of this movie was at night or in like the early dawn or dusk. And I didn't have that problem in this movie at all. No, the lighting was great. The, uh, the camera angle choices were not what I would call revolutionary by any stretch of the imagination, but they were always in the right spot so that you could get the best view when you're, when you're trying to, uh, not only, not only get everything that you're trying to do storytelling wise in the frame, but also kind of pay homage to the comic book page. There's a lot of classic comic book angles that you get to see in the film, which are really nice. Um, I think the other thing too, a lot of times when you do fight scenes in these movies, you do quick cuts. Yep. And we didn't really get of that. We actually got more wide shots. Yeah. Uh, so it, it encompassed not just the person that was the two, maybe two, three people that were fighting at once, but the other people maybe running in, running away, laying on the ground. Like they weren't trying to hide anything mm. with the fight sequences here. The, uh, shout out to the stunt team. I mean, they, they, did their jobs well in this. Yeah, it it it's not like they were using some type of uh, magical fighting style that required some intricate flips and punches, although Catwoman did a lot of that. It was a real kind of gritty, gritty down-to-earth fighting style for everybody involved. Great, yeah. Yeah, that, I'll take that all day long. Um the talking about the uh, little uh, retina scanning and uh, recording uh, eyepieces, the the CGI on that was really good. Was it CGI? Yes. You mean like when they were taking the actual contact or the soft thing out? It they, they there's CGI overlay on that. The little effects over. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The the like the, almost like a little not a dial, but you, you, the little things that are almost look like they're imprinted on it. Right. Yeah, yeah you can't even tell. Yeah, it, it it was so slick the way they did that. It's just it's, it's a small thing, but it's those small details that really impress me when I see stuff like that. Uh, the practical explosions that was fun. Yeah. Um, there were gunfights, of course, and shots and bullets, and those were fine. It didn't seem like we were getting any type of weird stuff. Uh, you know, Batman got shot quite a bit in this, and he's got, you know, the most impervious to gunshot, gunfire armor imaginable. Um, it's part of the world, I guess. Uh, so he did get shot quite a bit, mm -hmm. and we saw him either just deflect the shots, get stuttered by the shots, or get blasted backwards from the shots, you know, depending on what we what we saw he so, also got hit plenty in combat which is nice to see yeah yep he he took the took the punches in stride uh part of that was because of the armor of course mm -hmm. but even so he we talked about the wing suit right. he flew down deployed a chute and he got trapped under it got caught on the bridge hit a bus and rolled like 50 yards down the road and he got up so and was like good. oh it hurts so <laughs> <laughs> either he's real tough well once again that armor is just the most amazing thing ever yeah there, there's no doubt about that um so i mean the only thing that i maybe disliked in terms of the way that it was kind of put together in terms of cinematography is that that car chase 
I didn't particularly like the car chase. It was just too visually, um, not confusing, but just messy. I can go with messy and just let's show the let's show the angle from a camera that's sticking out from the car at tire level. Yeah. But then it's between that and a different one and a different one and a different one. And the actual car chase itself was fine. But I found myself when watching it, I was like, wow, this looks like it's going really fast. I know they're only going like 30 down the road when they do this, but they've made the angles and the other things have that appearance that we're really flying. And right. They showed the, uh, the speedometer go from like 75 to 100 as he crosses the lane from one, you know, goes between the medians. And I'm like, Oh, they're going 90 down the road. I can almost believe that. <laughs> Even though there's that, that nagging voice in the back of your head, it's like, yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> yeah, and that, that was part of the presentation of that, which was preceded, of course, by showing the thing start up and run for about 10 minutes before they actually took off to initiate the chase. They had a really good, um, and this sounds weird, I know, but I liked the range at which that they had the camera because a lot of times they were showing things at a distance whether it was going into the apartment across the street or down from the high rise or whatever, a lot of times the choices on the amount of distance you have is just slightly off. So it's too far away to really become engaged or it's too close and it just feels, where are you? In the middle of the air between the buildings? It just kind of felt right. You said it, it felt right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was kind of the opening scene, right? Was, yeah. A family getting spied on, basically. Yeah. Not observed. Let's call it observed. They weren't getting spied on. Yeah. They watched over, sort of. <laughs> uh, so, for me, that out of 20, that's a 17. I do really I think it did an 18. I really like the look and the feel of the movie. Yeah. This is really good. Um, all right. So, the make or break portion, writing and plot. Um this is often where we really nitpick things. I don't have a lot of problems with this film. The writing, for the most part, is pretty solid. Yeah, there there are some liberties that are taking, taken in this, right? Um, they talk a lot about, you know, like, from a police standpoint and policing standpoint, I feel like it's mentioned a bit about the seriousness to take things or collect evidence or, or whatever, but you just have this random dude trotting through the <laughs> police scenes and people, people are concerned, but it's never like he's, he, he brings, he, he, he could apprehend people, but in real life, that apprehension and arrest would never go through, no, right? No. Any type of thing that would be taken into account from his, actions that he did while he was trotting through a murder scene everything is out the door on that now i get it we're also talking about the same thing who has body armor that's impervious to every type of bullet and he can drop like do a terminator roll is what i like to call it from like for like 50 yards and he gets up and he just oh it hurts you know so we're in a different world and i get that maybe it's local ordinance <laughs> yeah batman accepted <laughs> But the the fact, the other thing that goes along with that is the trust that was established 
previous to the start of this movie between him and Gordon, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. To, to, to bring him along because he knows, he knows that he's good, but he also knows in that first sequence, like, there was a thing that was addressed to him. So that kind of gave him the out in a certain sense. Yeah, we'll bring him in uh, because the thing, it, it's got his name on it. But deep down, we know he's a good, he's a good detective. And that's the line that you're supposed to kind of try and keep from from the stories. He's he's on our side, but he's not really one of us. Yeah, he's got his own agenda, right? Um, which oftentimes is still a positive agenda, just not your agenda. Yeah, um, I thought the character portrayals were pretty solid all around. Uh, it, it was a, it was a definite different take on Falcone. Um, a lot less of the stereotypical Italian mobster, and a lot more secretive and sinister and manipulative. It's like, oh, I like that. They, they, they borrowed the right stuff from the source material to, to kind of flesh that out a little bit. Yeah, the actual behind-the-scenes mastermind who had, in this case, a previous relationship with the Wayne family, which was... Forced is not the right word, but, like, entered into unwillingly. Yeah. I like the I like the way that they kind of blended the stuff together because this could have been just particularly bad. There was there was a lot of chances for just massive massive plot holes, and there were some small ones, but yeah, <laughs> but not huge huge plot holes. Um, at least not comparatively, to put it that way. Yeah, and you know the storyline has its own complexity to it, but not so much that it's hard to understand. You can follow the moving parts. Just pay attention to the names. Um, you know what's going on. But I think the overall thing that I really like about the movie is the actual presentation of the Batman character, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, one, he is the Batman and his alter ego, his actual disguise, is Bruce Wayne. Yes. We don't see that in movies. And this was the case. This this was what it was for this movie. Um, the fact that he, and it's touched on because he's, you know, the Dark Knight or he's his his bat persona or whatever, is that they, they touched on it at the beginning of the movie. You don't know where I'm going to be. Right. So he's instilled fear in people, whether that's all people or the people that are the bad guys. He's he's instilled fear enough that you see that symbol and you, you get nervous. You get nervous like, all right, that's cool. I like that. When you first see him, I, I love that the sequence. Right. So what what looks to be a Joker gang. Right. Looks a little bit like that, yeah. They're going to go beat... Well, it's like an initiation in a sense. Right. And it gets interrupted by the Batman character. One of those long sequences, of course, where he's the footsteps of his heavy trodden <clears throat> boots and then whatever buckles, if you will, or yeah. attachments are on his leg components or whatever. Clingy, clingy, clingy. But really, if you look at it, it's a Western. It is. And it's awesome. And this is why I say you got to have headphones on. 
him slowly walking down this dark you can't see him you can only hear him and then when he kind of comes into the light slowly comes into the light if you were if you were a bad guy and you saw somebody dressed up in that costume you there's two things like you're either either going to laugh or you're going to be like uh-oh like this is this is trouble right because what am i looking at here and it just depends on what your perspective is. And they kind of play it off like, what? Like, come on, bro, what are you doing? And he just walks up on them. And just they, like, they say with face paint on. Exactly. <laughs> so he, he, they don't have the fear of him because maybe they didn't pay attention or whatever. But then he just proceeds to beat it into them. Beat it into them, right? And even even the dude that he rescues is scared, right? Because he mm-hmm. says, like, what do you say? Like, don't hurt me. So it, it's it's the whole attitude, atmosphere. He's only, like he said, two years into this. So he's still learning. He's still trying to figure out what's going on. He got shot and he got mad. So he went and did the electrocute the dude in the neck thing, which was, that was good. really cool. I like that. But then it goes back to what we said we were talking about the the really cool thing with his his lens, his contact lens, right? So he goes back to his bat cave, takes it out, and he's recording everything that he did. He was recording everything that he did because he's learning. He's learning from his mistakes. He's taking notes on what he did so that he can get better the next time he goes out. And he also doesn't remember everything, so he's got evidence now. Exactly. And he took like all those that calligraphy, the stuff that he'll never get a chance to actually hold because it's police evidence. He's got a picture of it now. So now he can print it out and decipher all those things like that technology piece was really cool. But it also dives into the this is Batman. This is he happens to be Bruce Wayne as a secondary character. But this is Batman. And part of him being Batman is learning and getting better and doing Batman 24-7, if at all possible. Plan. I just thought, like, that little stretch was just awesome. Plan, plan, plan. Have contingencies. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I will say about this, the kind of my last note about the, about the plot, I often, I'm a fan of character-driven stories. And more specifically, I like character uh, growth. And generally speaking, in most comic-related films, you're just not going to get that. And in this film, you still didn't get that. <laughs> but they gave us the next best thing. Uh, and, and if they don't give you character growth, they usually give you just a smattering of character development in the beginning, and then it's off to the races with whatever plot or whatever slugfest or whatever is going on. They actually seeded the entire film with character development. You're learning about who these people are throughout the entire thing, which, like I said, it's not as good to me as character growth, but it's a it's a close second. I really like that. You got to know them better and better as the film went, and they never stopped giving you info. And what did you think about there's, – there's two things. One, kind of that initial inner monologue – the voiceover at the beginning telling you the story. Um, that's one thing. And then the surprise that wasn't a surprise, it, it, it uh, 
Selena Kyle's father was Falcone. Well, what do they call him? I always want to say Falcone, right? It's but like Falcone. But or it's Falcone. Yeah, I I thought in this movie they always said Falcone. Uh, it doesn't really matter. I don't, yeah, it could just it could be one of those things that you know how you read something and you think it's pronounced one way and it's not, but you've read it that way so many times that it will be that forever. That could be what happened with that for me. But uh, I like the monologue. I've always liked a voiceover. Give me that anytime. You know, give me like a Robert Redford voiceover of anything, and it'll be great. Um, but that that to me always does a good job of setting tone and ambiance. And as far as the relationship, that that's something from the comics. So it's not like I was unaware of it going into it. I didn't know if they were going to going to actually delve into it because this is still pieces of multiple stories. So they could have gone in any direction, but it helps to explain why she is capable of doing some of the things that she is capable of doing. So it's just kind of, um, or at least the motivation to become that way anyway. Um, so yeah, no, I, I like that. That was good. Yeah, there was, I don't know. There's just a lot to say about the movie. Um, yeah, we could go on for another half an hour, 45 minutes doing this. Yeah. But well, oh, I'll ask, what about the the Batmobile itself? Uh, it is junk. I didn't like it. Now, is that because it's like a, a rookie Batmobile? Yeah. Or just because it was... It was a cut and paste from the Nolan film with some extra fiddly bits. It, it wasn't that great. I'm wondering if, you know, if he'd ever even really driven it around. Because we, 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 we talked about one thing we appreciated in this movie was that he had to travel, right? He had to get from point A to point B, where it seems in other movies or in cartoons, whatever, he's already there. Right. When in this one it showed, he had to ride his motorcycle for half hour to get to a place uh, or or drive a car. But I think most of the time he was on the motorcycle and maybe this was the first time that he had actually had that thing out. I I don't know. So it's his first, it's this character's first iteration of a quote Batmobile, which really was just a car that they armored up a little bit. It didn't seem like there was any, you know, usually there's a gadget, a thing or whatever. And, And this was just a car with a big engine and, indestructible for for a film that's trying to ground the character a little bit it just felt off it's not grounded at all uh too tanky yeah a little bit uh, so it's just i mean don't get me wrong it's exactly something the batman would use but just it just felt off in this particular production yeah i wasn't sure if i disliked it i didn't like how <laughs> it was introduced Keep going back to that scene. I'm being stupid. Okay, so. <laughs> so for you on a scale of 1 to 20, what does that give you plot-wise? 16. Same for me. I mean, really solid. I mean, we really were just nitpicking. The, the plot is just really strong. Yep. Um, so this is the point at which we can give some um, extra bonus points. Um, I usually don't, but in this one instance, I definitely have to give a bonus point. And my bonus point goes, goes to... Did not uh, do the dead parents in the alley thing again. 
just taking the same advice that the the previous Spider-Man franchise, the current Spider-Man franchise took. Yes, let's let's just jump into it. Everybody already knows. We don't need to rehash this again. Uh, that's worth the point by itself. Still touched on, but as a plot point. Right. It had, it had actual meaning. Um, but I agree. It's great to not have it. Uh, I gave a point for sound. Now, we oftentimes, we don't have a separate category for sound, right? Uh, there's two parts of the sound that I really liked. I mentioned it once, the actual boots, boots on the ground. But if you listen to the music. Music is uh, solid. The the Nirvana song that plays three times, maybe four times. We heard it. We heard it too much. Yes. Um, but the actual, let's call it the Batman character soundtrack, was pretty solid. When you're you're focused on the boots stomping, but listen to the music that's playing too. Yeah. Once again. It's like a western. Like we're we're watching a we're really watching a Batman western in yeah. a certain sense. Um it's I don't know, it's a good movie. Yeah, definitely so. Well, with our bonus points, that puts us at a solid eighty three from me and eighty five from Richard. Um uh, yeah. This this film's definitely worth watching. I will watch it again for sure. Uh just to look for anything else that I might have missed. Um, yeah, you should definitely give it a, give it a shot worth your time for sure. Now, next week we'll be back with a mystery episode. We're still not sure what it's going to be. Uh, I had a plan for what it was going to be next week and I moved it because it was super cool and uh, we're going to have it be our season finale instead, but <laughs> so next week, who knows? Question mark. <laughs> That's right. So. Uh, but uh, come back and uh, listen. I'm sure we'll have something fun for you. Maybe we'll we'll have something more centered around movies again. Maybe a top ten. We'll we'll, we'll give it some thought. 